Welcome back to the Lily Kate Show. I'm so glad you're all here today. I think over Thanksgiving break, the world got crazier and crazier. And I mean that in a completely honest way. The world has gone topsy-turvy. So instead of focusing on the terrible things that are happening in our country, in our economy, instead of focusing on Biden, instead of focusing on the mentally ill nature of the gropers using Kanye for political points, we're going to talk about life, what to do in a situation, and we're going to hear a testimony from Dr. Ruth Charles, who has an amazing story, and I hope you're impacted by it. This girl gets a great lift and fun out of walking down Fifth Avenue at the crack of dawn, looking in the window at Tiffany's. Have you ever heard that history has a way of repeating itself? Well, I'd like to tell you my story about how history almost repeated itself. I was told by my mother, my grandmother, and one of her long-lived teachers of how when she was a young teenager in college, she had gotten pregnant and decided that she could not keep the child because of the circumstances surrounding the pregnancy. And that child was me. Um, I was told by my mother how she was in love with this guy, and they both were aspiring opera singers. Um, and she had never been in trouble, never done any wrong, anything wrong, Miss Goody Two Shoes. And everyone just knew she would be the next great. Um, and so finding herself pregnant my father decided i don't want to be a father i don't want to be with you anymore matter of fact i'm going to go and get a new girlfriend and so he did the story was told to me that he began to treat her like she was non-existent he even passed her a couple of times pregnant at the bus stop until the girl he was with told him oh don't be like that go back and pick her up my mother in the back seat of the car riding around with the two of them, unfortunately, sad, depressed, you name it. She went home. She decided, I can't do this. So she went and tried to have a coat hanger abortion. Now, this was before Roe Roe versus Wade. She could not go and get a legal abortion. Everything was done under under the table if people wanted to have abortions. And so she tried to abort me with a a coat hanger. Thank God that didn't work, obviously. She began to tell her teacher about what happened. The teacher was very upset and said, hey, you're not going to do that. You need to continue with your studies. Now, mind you, at this time, she was so heartbroken that she actually lost her will to live, which also took her voice. I mean, literally, she could no longer sing. She could barely talk beyond a whisper. This was the story conveyed to me. A few weeks after the initial attempt of abortion, she had suicidal thoughts and said, you know what, I've got to do something because I don't want to take my own life, even though I don't want to live. Then at that time, she went to what was known then as a warlock, or still now, a witch doctor drank a potion that was actually poisonous. Obviously, it did not work. I'm still here to tell about it. With that being said, 
she went into an even deeper depression, but thank God she had people around her that cared. Her music teacher, along with some other classmates, began to inquire about how they could help her. And then they made the, this, the decision, we're going to help you with this child. We want you to have the baby. We'll make sure that you have everything that you need. So they began to take her back to school, bring her food, get her to the doctor's appointments, and make sure that her baby was born. Once I was born, they began to then take me on as their surrogate child, so to speak. And here I am today, but I didn't just get here. <laughs> I went to the same university and at the same age, 19 years old, I too became pregnant. I went to the university on academic scholarship. I was supposed to be the next great. Remember, history has a way of almost repeating itself. So with that pregnancy, I decided I'll have the baby. Mm, I didn't stop there. I got pregnant again two years later. And I thought to myself, I can't continue on this way. Why am I repeating my mom? So I said, okay, I'm going to go and have an abortion. This time, the father of the child, not only did he not want an abortion, he wanted to father his child. He wanted to stay with me. I did not want the child, but then I knew in my heart that that was not the right thing to do because my mother had already told me about her situation, and I did not want to repeat, but I thought I had no hope. I thought there was no way out because I was raised by a single mom. I watched her struggle, and I was thinking to myself, how could I possibly go further and repeat the same process? So I changed my mind about the abortion, thank God. So I decided, okay, I'll just give the child up for adoption again. Her father did not want that because he wanted to raise his child. As I continue to say her, obviously something happened. History, again, was broken there. I had my daughter. I raised my daughter. She's 29 years old. She's an amazing artist in every way. Um, she is a beautiful child that I'm glad and I celebrate her today with her accomplishments. And I'm happy to say, even though she's not married, she's still a virgin because she's like, I'm not repeating my mom and my grandmother. The cycle was broken. And that's many details left out, but the gist of my story, a lot of mindsets had to be changed, a lot of things to overcome. It was not an easy process. Many ups and downs, many heartaches, but we're here today to tell our story. And even my mom, I told this story last week. <laughs> so funny, I told this story on a mental health summit that I was doing and she got a chance to watch it and it even helped bring further healing to her. Um, she was so happy that I shared that story openly because I don't believe anyone had ever heard that story openly before then but it brought healing to her, her words. And I celebrate today because 
lives, generational curses broken and lives changed. And so I hope that my story helps someone else to know that if you have a good support system, there's always someone out there, even strangers. I recall in my pregnancy, I had strangers, just like my mom, some of those classmates she didn't know. I had classmates that would bring me food. I had classmates that would come to my home and bring homework from the professors because they were determined for whatever reason, and I know it was the Lord, to help me to make sure that I was a life saved and I was a life changed. They brought hope where there was hopelessness. And so a good support system even can be strangers, people that you don't necessarily know, but there is hope. There's always an answer out there. And taking a life is not the answer. It is not. If you want to make it, God will make sure that people are in place to help you make it. So obviously you are extremely well-educated and I have a few points that I want to emphasize a little bit through that whole story because it was just amazing. Um, After the overturning of Roe this summer, we are constantly hearing, we're going to go back to thousands upon thousands upon thousands of coat hanger abortions happening all across the street. There will be women on every corner, right? So the lie, the myth is rather that coat hanger abortions were happening every single day, tens of thousands of them. Um, is that true? Because obviously your mom has that, that aspect to her story. So you and your research and your context, can you just tell us about was that happening as, as widely as the media tells us it is? From the research that I have done, prior to Roe v. Wade, there were not a lot of abortions at all of any sort. Um, Yes, people were having abortions, but not nearly as many abortions that began to happen once the courts made it legal. Usually people would take their daughters and, you know, send them off to a parent, another parent somewhere or a family member in another state. They'd have the child quietly and come back and adopt, someone would adopt the child or pretend it was someone else's kid. Um, There were not a lot of abortions going on, and that's a myth and lies. Um, And that I did study uh, with actually my daughter. Uh, Two of my daughters, the one that uh, I almost gave up for adoption, as well as my youngest daughter, who's now 21, we actually studied that, and it's not true. So coat hanger abortions were not happening on every corner and abortions radically increased once Roe was decided in the courts. And then, of course, with the overturning, we're seeing tens of thousands of lives every single day, especially in Texas, being completely saved, which is amazing. And so you said your mom went to a witch doctor. Now, that's for people who are kind of alive today. We're like, I see that in TV shows. So what what does that mean And she drank a poison. What was the poison supposed to do? Can you just give us a picture on that and then give us some encouragement about how to avoid that kind of thing? Well, growing up, and I hate to use this metaphor, growing up in the South, (laughs) (laughs) you see a lot of things. Um, We are in the Bible Belt, of course, um, one of the Bible Belt states. And so with that, there's also a plethora of people that are not believers in the Bible. And they are 
ready to do whatever it is. And so with that, she got a suggestion from a family friend. I know someone that can help you get rid of the child. And at the advice and leading of this family friend, obviously not a friend, um, took her to this gentleman that he, um, some people would call the Harry Potter things and it's not really a joke. Um, these are actually real spells, real deals. These, this stuff actually happens. And he mixed this drink for her to drink that would, was supposed to kill the child, kill me inside, and for her to then pass the child via the toilet. I hate to use that. Is that, um, is it similar at all to what we now have as a chemical abortion or still was this more in the realm of like actual supernatural? A mixture of the two. Um, because there was a, a, a vocal spell incantation done as well as the drinking of this mixture. Um, and of course I was there, but not cognizant because I was a, a, a embryo inside. But this is the story that my mother told me um, because she wanted me to know um, what happened. And these things are still going on. People don't want to be honest about it, but they're still going on. And then you, you further emphasize then your mom was doing her homework and trying to get through school students were stepping up on every different level to try and help her. Can you just explain to us like the importance? Cause obviously you were in that position. So how did that make you feel that someone would just bring you a meal or like you said, bring you homework, right? For both you and your mom. I mean, that's a very powerful thing that, you know, curating that culture of life and being defenders of life and helping in any way you can. So, you know, just describe that to us and describe how much it helped you kind of when you were in that situation? I think because of the students that did know my mother personally, their care and concern for her as a person caused them to feel pricked in their heart to want to help her in any way. And in this case, which was preserving the life inside of her. And they witnessed uh, my birth father not doing what he should have done and actually being cruel to her, treating her very inhumanely because who does that? You know, we live in a society of cancel culture, but it hasn't just started, it's just emphasized more. It was back then over 50 years ago. And um, I believe that same mindset and attitude was my case. There were people that I did know them personally that they stepped up and they were students at the school and others saw and they decided to step in and help as well. And so I believe it's because people inerrantly have goodness in them because of God. He made us all. And, you know, when you allow that to rise up instead of all of the negativity and the poison, then it will, it will cause you to help people in ways that maybe you never imagined that you could or would. Mm, so just be bold and 
if there's someone in that kind of situation, I mean, what, what is it on you to bring them a meal one time, you know, and that really, really can change the picture. Do you think that, you know, obviously you're, you can't speak exactly for your mom, but do you think that if she hadn't had that culture of life around her, she would have maybe followed through, um, in a, tried it, tried again in a different way to get an abortion? Probably, probably because again, her her life at that time was singing and she could not utter a note um and i i really don't find that four different people would lie about that and um someone that would know my mom she has a very big voice even to this day um almost uh 75 years old well yeah almost 75 years old she's a very big voice she does not need a microphone it fills a room and i mean a room She's the most amazing voice, but to not be able to sing at all, um, it, it her life was gone to her at that point. And so it's like, how can I take care of a life when I don't have life? And that's the way she felt. Um, and so I believe at that point, she would have probably tried again because there was so much hopelessness there. Wow. And when did your mom first tell you about her story? Did she wait until you were in that same situation to tell you? Or did you grow up knowing the story? And then once you heard it, how did it impact you? I believe I was eight years old when she first told me the story. Um, one of her music teachers were retiring and they had just named uh, the music building after her two music teachers, which incidentally I'm named after them. <laughs> I'm named after those teachers and my grandmother. They all had the same first name. And um, it was there that she told me the story um, in the music teacher's house that was full of students from many years. And I think the question was, why are all these people hugging me? And then that's how I found out. Wow, so that's so powerful. And then you kind of grow up through your tweens and teen years knowing this story. You, as you said, history repeats itself almost in a way, right? You get into these situations and you had students who were coming to you trying to help you determine to keep your baby alive. And so um, just go into the details a little bit of how, how did you personally feel after you got pregnant that first time? Oh, wow. I was disappointed with myself. I was so disappointed with myself because that portion of history, the father did the exact same thing that my natural father did. Um, he ran off, got it with someone else, came back to Texas and the young woman did the exact same thing. Oh, you should help her. Hmm, interesting. Uncanny. <laughs> and I say now it was a blessing um, because I thank God that that relationship, it was horrible the way it broke up, but I'm glad that it did after I see him years later. Another story. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I was very disappointed with myself because I knew, um, the ramifications behind my actions. Being pregnant wasn't the issue. It for me, and you know, for those that believe or not, just 
being sexually active without being married. That was why I was disappointed with myself because I felt like I let God down. That's interesting. Okay, so most people are scared and disappointed in the pregnancy where they're trying to hide the the sexual activity that definitely obviously comes before. So can you go into that? Because obviously, like you said earlier, we're in the Bible Belt. That's lots of Christianity, lots of other <laughs> other things around here as well. And so we do have this culture of stay pure until you're married. Sometimes or most times that doesn't happen for most people. And so what would you tell someone who is young and sexually active, um, hasn't maybe had something happen like this before, but what would you tell them? I would tell them that you really have to be careful. And I don't mean so much as making sure you're wearing contraceptives or utilizing contraceptives. I'm speaking of the entanglement that happens mentally and emotionally with the other person. Because unless you have really shut off your emotions and your mind, you literally become mentally and emotionally entangled with whomever you have exchange of, of sexual activity with. Um, there's an entanglement that happens with the heart. Um, and it's, it's something I would say that's supernatural because no one goes in, oh, I'm going to lay down with this person and we're going to become one in, in the mind. <laughs> um, you really don't go in there with that mindset. Um, there's usually other things going on in the mind at that point. But um, when, you, when you don't do things, I say, in the right way or in the right order, you put yourself at a disadvantage because that person can decide, you know what, that's all I wanted. I'm done. I'm out of here. And then what? You can't make someone stay with you. And if you do, do you want to stay with them under duress? Ugh. Right, right. And so who was the first person you told that you were pregnant? Hmm. The father. And he did not react well. Oh, it's not mine. Are you kidding me? Now you know better than that. So then how did your mom react? She was very sad. She was very sad because she saw herself all over again. And I think it's because she really hadn't forgiven herself, to be honest. Um, looking back at that and having the knowledge that I have, I believe that's what it was, and she was sad. So if you would just bring us briefly through, like, your emotional state, pregnancy, and then you have this child, are you just, like, flooded with just love? Or, like, just bring us through that as a, I mean, a single mom at this point. I had two emotions going on, uh, or two major emotions, I would say. Um, I was very angry with the father because he did take off, <laughs> just to keep it blunt. He did a lot of awful things, but the child, nothing but love, um, because I considered her a blessing in spite of how she was conceived other circumstances surrounding her conception. I considered her a blessing and she's still living today, 31 years old. I'm very proud of her. Um, her and her sister are the best of friends. <laughs> uh-huh. But I, I was disappointed and upset with myself, very angry with him for he lied to our pastor. He said, I'm going to marry her. The pastor became very <laughs> angry um he himself tried to protect me i can honestly say that he did not shun me or treat me indifferently um and i was one of the youth leaders in the church too i didn't mention that but he did try to protect me and i be believe it was because 
he had gone through a similar situation with his son and um, that gave him compassion for me. Um, and so it was just a flood of emotions, which many people, I'm sure that when they experience those types of situations, it's a lot of bewilderment and you're trying to figure it all out and decide which way do I go? How do I handle this? You know, you're really thinking, what are people thinking about me, especially if you've built a certain type of reputation? And so that was my case, and I had a lot of things going on inside. Did you ever experience any isolation or, like, shunning from different groups of people? Like, did you lose friends over this? Or was generally everyone kind of on the consensus of, hey, yeah, you messed up, but every pregnancy is a blessing? Well, I went through shunning in my family. Um, I had some relatives... That was one story. I have a cousin. She was very promiscuous. I'm a year older than she is. And her family literally said to her, wow, we can't believe she got pregnant. We thought it would be you. Awful. Awful. And so that family began to shun me as well as make her feel bad. And so thank God it did not kill our relationship. We're friends today besides being cousins. But, um, yeah, I did go through shunning at, as well as at the church, although the pastor himself did not participate in that. But I had others that did um, because this gentleman was the desired gentleman of the church. Oh, Lord. <laughs> ah, another story. Yeah, right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, right. Oh, man. Okay, so... Grew up in the church. Did you grow up in the church? Okay. And that naturally comes along with pro-life beliefs. Um, were you kind of taught at a young age, like, to be pro-life? Or is that something that you you never really talked about in church life, but you kind of adopted it just through your faith and through the general exposure you had to other people? Um, that was not something that was talked about a lot in our church. However... Because of the experience that the pastor had with his son, he did in some of our youth meetings, he would talk about waiting and being um, abstaining because you don't want to put yourself and your family in situations. And that's kind of how it was more a fear thing <laughs> instead of, you know, that, that the life is more important than to try and uh, protect yourself from public shame or something like that. And unfortunately, I see that with a lot of churches not really putting the emphasis the emphasis on the emphasis on, excuse me, that life is sacred and that you do not want to uh take life because that's actually that's murder. I mean, the Bible is the Bible. It's murder. So, then you have a 2-year-old and you as you said the situation happens again and you actually did consider abortion this time as your first option. So, you know, what was the mental struggle there? Cause you grew up pro-life, you have a child already, you know, it's a life, but you know, there's always that, but dot, dot, dot after. So bring us through that mental struggle for you. Well, for me, I was considering that I did have a child and the struggle financially that I was having. Um, I went back to school, uh, after I had my first daughter, um, I fully enrolled back in school, took on 15 hours with a child, 
Um, I would bring her to school with me uh, as allowed by some of my professors. It was not a, a campus policy, but my professors told me, bring your child to school so you can get your work done, which I appreciated. Um, and so there the concern was financial and school. Um, I just did not know how I would be able to support two children and also continue with my college education. And so that is the reason why I immediately considered abortion. And it was not, I would say the first option, it was just the first acted upon option that I did not carry out. Um, Cause I initially considered actually suicide, but I decided not to do that because my thought was, well, who would take care of my wow. already existing baby? Wow. And so her life, I could say, oh, actually wow. saved my life. And so, but again, the reason you didn't get the abortion is because the dad was like, nope, that's not, that's not going to happen. Are you still with him today or? Married 20, almost 23 years. That's awesome. Did you have any more children with him after you guys got married? Yes, we have a very unique story. Uh, we parted ways for six years. He had a daughter um, with someone else. And so in totality, we have seven children. So awesome. Do y'all have big family reunions? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's so wonderful. And... Um, Okay, so coming out, you have the second child. Is that different than the first child emotionally, spiritually, um, or is it just love multiplies? Like, kind of walk us through that. Um, actually, I went into a very deep depression. Looking back, I um, went into a clinical depression. I actually started losing uh, my memory. Um, I would be in class. The teacher would call my name. I'm looking around, the people around me, she's talking to you. I was the only one with the name. <laughs> she's talking to you, and I was not cognizant and aware that she was. Um, I literally suppressed my pregnancy. I tried to, um, for example, I was still wearing four-inch heels and jeans that you had to lay down to zip up. <laughs> Running around the campus in those shoes pretending as if I were not pregnant until I could not fit in the jeans anymore. Um, and so um, it's really interesting. I, I went through a lot of emotional and mental duress and the good hand of God is what kept me alive. So you spoke about generational curses. For those who are maybe not familiar with that kind of ethereal, like kind of terminology, I guess, um, what does that mean? And then how do you break one? So a generational curse is um, negative cycles that you see repeated over and over again through families. There was some research conducted by Dr. Caroline Leaf in 1997 that had proven that when, a, when the grandfather four generations prior experienced or witnessed a traumatic event, it literally changed the DNA of his sperm. Once he would um, have sexual activity with a woman, produce a child, it changed 
the egg and the sperm together and it would continue a mental, emotional, and physical reproduction of the experience memory within the cells. Very interesting study. I just talked about this last week actually on a program. And it actually, you actually see these things repeat, repeated, these processes repeated through these generations. And it bears witness to scripture um, that says the sins of the father rest upon the son down to the fourth generation. And so negative cycles are what we would call generational curses or vice versa. And it's when you see whole families going down the same road, like you have mob families. It's not just the dad. It's the son. It's the daughter. That's all they know because you're bringing the nature and the nurture into the home. You're, they're watching you. Uh, there's research that lets you know that children watch what you do more than they listen to what you say. So, well, how did you know that? I learned it by watching you, um, the commercial from several years, several years ago. And so... Literally, those generational curses are very bad negative cycles that are continued to be perpetuated throughout um, the family's history and continues on if someone does not recognize that and stop it um, and really take measures to stop it, which it would take too long to explain all of that. Sure, no. I think most people don't fully see that. I mean, we, we don't talk about generational curses at all. For example, my parents both come from alcoholic families, you know, tough drinking. Both of my parents don't drink. None of our six kids or their six kids drink at all, at all. Like we, we don't even have that inclination, right? So that's an example of a curse being completely broken. Um, <clears throat> say you had a girl who was in a similar situation to you right in front of you. What would you tell her? I would tell her that you can make it, that there are people, programs, there are avenues out there that can help you get through where you're at, get through the pain, the hurt, the uncertainty of what you're faced with. I would tell them to consider the child that's growing inside of them. You never know who you who you are giving birth to. Um, I did not realize how amazing my daughters would be when I was pregnant with them, to me, it seemed like the end of the world, but I found hope and that hope, it was a day by day process. It wasn't me looking down the road and saying, oh, when I have this child, I will do this. No, it was day by day. Okay, I woke up this morning. Wow, thank you, God. Okay, I got to my doctor's appointment. Wow, thank you, God. And allowing people to help you. You have to allow people in because if we can, push people away thinking that they are looking at us strange or they don't understand. Sometimes it's just concern and maybe it looks like <laughs> a certain way, but it's concern. I, I went through that and I know how it feels and just allow yourself to breathe, forgive yourself. Maybe you got into the situation and not realizing what you were doing. Maybe you didn't intend to, and maybe you thought, hey, I wanna be pregnant and didn't realize that it was a lot more than you initially considered. But give yourself a break. Give yourself a break. And for God's sake, give the child a break. They were meant to be here. If they weren't, you wouldn't be pregnant. Yeah. And then one last, 
one last question. If you were standing in front of a group of people who all knew someone who was in this kind of situation, what would you tell them? Hmm. Kindness and love goes a long way. Consider yourself. That could be you. It could be you or someone very close to you. Extend a hand. Don't look for repayment. Not saying that they won't try, but don't look for it. Just let that be your act of kindness and love and providing hope in the world. Beautiful. Thank you so much for joining us today. This was absolutely awesome. 